Show with your host, Nigel Roberts. Hi, it's Nigel, and this is Staccato. With just her voice and an acoustic guitar or piano, singer-songwriter, recording artist, elder sister Plum delivers wistful, melancholy ballads, up-tempo songs, and somber hair-raising stories of sailors lost at sea. After traveling and performing throughout Canada for many years, Plum has settled in Victoria, B.C., where she recently released her fifth album, At the Edge of the Woods. She continues to write and perform regularly in and around the city as a soloist and as part of a group called The Half Moonshine, which dances between alt-country train beats to classic doo-wop vocals and spaghetti western guitars. They released their CD, Do Right, in December of 2017. I've got a story just like you Parts of it are false and parts of it are true Sometimes I stop breathing in the middle of the day And everything freezes staying in the same place Well, I've got fortune, you could say I do In unfortunate times, you could say that too When did you get interested in music and songwriting? I first got interested in music at a very young age. I started playing piano at four or five. But then when I started learning guitar when I was 15, I started taking lessons. Uh, immediately I started trying to write songs and my goal with taking guitar lessons was not to become an elaborate fancy guitar player but just to be able to uh, learn the basic chords, um, chord structures and whatnot so I could write my own music. Um, and I don't really know when that urge came to me, when I realized that I wanted to be writing my own music. I wanted a new instrument to be able to just take a different route with and, and actually make up my own stuff on it. Do you remember how old you were when you decided to become a professional musician? When I was around 17, so I'd already been playing the guitar and experimenting with songwriting for a little while, and I just... I knew that music was going to be something I was doing my whole life and also my experience in high school and having my first job like making pizza and stuff, I, it, none of it really fit for me. I saw the path everyone else was going down, going into college and looking at these different careers and none of it felt right for me, but music always did. So yeah, as a, as a teenager, I knew that was something I wanted to keep pursuing to the extent that even... Uh, when I would start to come up with, with band names out of nowhere, I was like, well, I'm going to hold on to that until a few years down the line when I feel like I'm more secure in my, my presence as an artist and a songwriter. I was always thinking down the line, knowing that I would still be playing music at the time. When did you first perform in public, and what was that experience like? I've been performing pretty regularly since that around grade four I guess I don't know how old you are then and then I started doing musical theater in grade five all the way through to graduating high school never any huge parts or anything but lots of performing lots of theater and choir and band and so you've had a lot of experience in performing for the public so I'm guessing that you're fairly comfortable with that now yeah it's yeah it's still a bit 
uh, I still get nervous and it's situational as well. It really depends on who the crowd is. And, but yeah, I, it's, it's become really comfortable still, yeah. Can you share some of your experiences, both good and bad, as you started playing professionally? As a solo performer, usually I'm playing solo, uh, I've had to do a lot of time in bars and things like that just to get a show, just to get out there and feel productive and, and practice playing. And it's, it's a pretty bad feeling when nobody is listening to what you're doing. And even... Uh, this happened a couple times in Toronto playing in bars where it's not just that people aren't listening but people are pretty vocal about not enjoying the music because Uh they're wanting like something more rock and roll or something louder something that fits into the scene a bit more which is a fair I guess that makes makes sense to me how do you handle a situation like that um I don't really engage with people (laughs) that are uh well yeah I mean I've had it I've had a, enough practice playing for rooms that aren't listening to be able to use that just as an opportunity to work on my performance element. So even if people are giving back negative feedback during a performance, I think I've uh, turning 27 in a in a month and I've developed my thick skin. I think already <laughs> from just being able to let it roll off the back and keep Good playing um, and just let those people think what they're going to think and not really get into it with them. Um, and good, good experiences. I've had a ton of, uh, I used to play at these open mics that happened all the time. The last time I lived in Victoria at a bar called the ledge, which doesn't exist anymore. And, uh, every Monday there would be an open mic and there was a lot of heavy drinking, but at the same time, everyone was there to listen to music. So it was the most attentive audience I've ever played for, uh, and always a full bar, and everyone would come up and crowd around the microphone, and people would sit on the floor in front of it, but there were like tons of people there listening to every word, and almost every time I played, I played every week, um, somebody was crying by the end of, of the set, oh. in, and lots of people would come up and talk to me afterwards because they were really listening to the lyrics and they were feeling very touched by that and that to me that no matter what happens throughout a set if someone wants to come up and talk to me about it afterwards and talk about a specific part of a specific song that made them feel a certain way that really shows that they're actively listening and that feels so good even if it's just one person what's it like for a young musician such as Shaw trying to make a living from music today Yes, that's very hard. (laughs) It's very hard, yeah. I haven't fully dove in to trying to just make a living off of music and not have a day job, so to speak. I mean, I've taken, like last summer, I took two months off of work to go tour, and um, I was able to save up money to do that. I didn't make any money doing that, um, but... I was still able to do it. Yeah, it's hard. I often get paid to play sets, to play music, and that's something that I've just... I mean, I've been doing this for a long time now, like, I would say at least full-time, you know, just having whatever day job, but then putting as much as I can into playing music. But uh, it's been interesting in Victoria. I've been part of a few different groups with friends, and whenever we get paid for a show... They're all like over the moon, like I can't believe we just got paid to play music, and it's you know split between four people. We all have like fifteen dollars at the end of it or something. And um, but yeah, it's challenging. 
I had a couple CD release shows that I did in Toronto and Montreal, and I, I brought in a significant amount of money with that, just organizing it all myself. Um, but it took so much time and energy for these, like, for one show that was a big event, and that brought in not even rent, you know, like it, it brought in some money, but uh, considering how much it costs to live in a place like Toronto or Victoria, not that helpful. There's a lot of people who don't want to pay musicians for their time. I saw that a ton in Toronto. The whole like, this is good visibility for you. That's what you can take out of this is visibility. Even like having to pay to apply to play in a festival that you don't get paid to play in and you're paying whether or not you get accepted and then you're expected to play for free. And like we've talked about before, having to be your own manager and your own PR person and all of these things, it's it's a challenge to support yourself, pay rent, eat food, you know, stay warm throughout the winter time, uh, and keep getting out there and playing music and, and finding the next opportunity. Can you maybe describe something about your songwriting process, how you go about it? Do you do lyrics first? I mean, how does it all come about? I pretty much always start with the guitar, and... In a way, it's a little bit thoughtless. I rarely have a melody in mind. Yeah, I rarely have anything in mind. Um, it's not a, a certain sound that inspires me or anything. It could be a line or just a couple of words that I feel like I could build off of. And then I sit down with the guitar. And then uh, whatever comes out of the guitar starts to inspire words and I usually go off of the phonetics at first I'm not really playing off of the meaning of the words but certain words will start coming out certain lines will come out um, and I like the way the words sound and then I'm like okay that's what this song is about and then the meaning starts to come out that way I'm going to play one of Elder Sister Plum's tracks Lost Souls from her album At the Edge of the Woods Getting colder by the minute It's getting darker by the day The ocean's dead, there's nothing in it And that's what all the papers say I heard you singing in the kitchen I didn't recognize the song I felt your breath back with Elder Sister Plum. I'm going to just touch a little bit on uh, the business stuff, on the business side of music. Um, but I guess I'll start that by asking, where did you go to school to learn the business side of, me, of being a musician? I think you mentioned something to me when mm-hmm. you take some courses. Mm-hmm. Where, where did you go? Um, I went to a school in Toronto. Um, it was Seneca College. Oh. And the program I took was called Independent Music Production. And... It was a, it's a nine-month certificate program. I went into that program when I was, I think, 20. And I had been performing for a couple of years at that point, um, but really wasn't taking it that seriously. All of the, the instructors, none of them are, are teachers. Uh, they weren't certified teachers. They're all professional, uh, professionals from the music industry, the Canadian music industry. 
So we had um, two different songwriting classes by professional songwriters that did things very differently from each other. Um, we had a business course. It was mostly grant writing. And for one term, we had an entertainment lawyer come in and teach us wow. about contracts and really? negotiations and royalties and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And um, then there was a lot of recording as well, recording classes with Pro Tools. And they were great because they were super realistic. They were like, you guys, if you want to be independent musicians, uh, you're going to be broke. So here is how you use an SM58 and your crappy laptop and you're living in your basement apartment, and this is how you can record like that. Um, and they also threw in some like fancy stuff. They taught us how to how to do some cool things with Pro Tools that we wouldn't be able to do with the equipment we could actually afford. But uh, so there was an engineering, audio engineering course, and then um, one that was more like production. Um, and what else? There was artist development. That was a really helpful one for me, an artist development class. So that was like learning how to write your biography, how to do an elevator pitch, um, how to make a one sheet, how to, how to present yourself as a professional artist, um, how, to, how to put the face on, basically, and, and deal with venues and deal with sound guys. I took away a lot from that that class in terms of just acting more professionally and taking it more seriously. Now, just touching on what you said, Tanya, about that school and some of the things you learned, you, you talked about being taught about being more professional. Mm-hmm. Can you just give me an idea what that meant? Uh, one thing that um, I mean by that, and this is something that I see a lot of other people doing, and it's a very simple thing, is just... Um, how you conduct yourself on stage. Um, so if you make a mistake during a song, do you react to that? How do you react to that? And just kind of owning the fact that you are an artist and it's important that you're there to share your art with people and a, a sense of confidence in doing that um, as opposed to sort of scurrying on stage not introducing yourself, um, not acknowledging, like, if you've been invited to play that show, someone organized that show, like, the venue, you know, um, these sort of courtesies as well, but doing that in a sincere way. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, just really how you conduct yourself, yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming that you've taken what you learned then and have applied it to your stage presence ever since? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been a work in, in progress. I used to be very, very shy, and um, didn't know how to banter or talk or anything uh, to the audience. I, I mean, I like to take myself very seriously as an artist, but I also have intentionally blurred the lines between Tanya and Elder Sister Plum, and I almost think of them as like one and the same. So I try to bring out my personality and who I am while I'm on stage, but at, you know, at the same time respecting the fact that I'm up there as a professional artist and certain, I guess, show that I'm putting on. I guess this is related a little to some of the things you've been talking about, but you once said, to lead this kind of life, one really needs to have support. And sometimes that can come in the form of just knowing that there are others out there who are doing the same thing. Can you comment about that? Yeah, that's just in terms of the struggle of trying to 
continue to play music as much as as one can but yeah it's really it's like a relief sometimes to know that other other artists have similar struggles because I mean I, I know I've heard the same thing about authors like there's so much rejection and there is a lot of negative experiences um not getting paid people not listening not getting the gig not even getting a response sometimes um I I applied to like 50 music festivals last summer and I didn't get into any of them and most of the time I didn't even get a response from the the directors that I was contacting so it's easy to take that kind of thing personally and it's dangerous because then you start to doubt your craft and you think maybe I'm not good maybe they did listen to my music and they don't like it um but I talked to my friends who are doing the same thing and experiencing the same struggles the same issues and it's just a good reminder that it's a difficult industry. It's just a very challenging industry to be a part of. Now, you mentioned just a moment ago that you'd applied for 50 venues. Mm-hmm. On average, how long would it take you to apply for one? I did a lot of research first into what the application process was, and I started doing that before applications were open for these festivals. So then I had to spend a bunch of time sort of reworking my... Uh, my package of like the photos and the bio and the audio that I had up and and press and that kind of stuff. Uh, but really, every festival was different. Some of them had their own personal questions that they wanted you to ask. Um, yeah, I would. I spent, I guess, an afternoon applying to maybe two to three festivals if they were if they had a similar application that's a lot of time on your part yeah I I really spent almost I felt like I spent about two months of really like spending a lot of downtime that I had first of all researching all the festivals figuring out which ones it made sense for me to apply to and which ones it didn't keeping tabs on when when the applications were open who to contact um I got a little obsessive about it actually I had all this huge notebooks you know um and yeah but that's all part of being an independent musician that's the thing I don't have a manager or a promoter that knows the language of how to do these applications that was another thing I was a bit worried about I the vibe that I got from the program I took in Toronto is there's like a specific language when you're doing a lot of these applications and if you don't know that language then they're going to just see you as another amateur musician um, and they're not going to give you the time of day. For any young person who wants to be a singer and write their own songs, who might hear this too and maybe they've got aspirations of being a professional musician, what kind of advice would you give them? Mm. This sounds kind of cliche, but really to not lose sight of what you love about playing music. Um, That's what, you know, at the end of the day, that's really what's gotten me through any sort of negative review which I have received or complete lack of response or playing bad shows, anything like that. Like, I just really love playing music and I love writing music and I know also that I would still be writing and playing music even if it was just for me and I never released another thing or played another show Uh, and that might not be the case for everyone like people's 
intentions are different and that's fine but um yeah really just keeping in touch with the love you have for music is going to be a huge tool in getting through the struggles that you're going to face and also I think you'll have an easier time getting people's attention um and getting people wanting to come back and keep listening to you if you're very honest in what you're doing um and you're not trying to just you know um just repeat what you're seeing other people doing but just be really true to to the music that's coming out of you and people can tell when they're listening and when they're watching you perform they can tell if that's really true to you and yeah as long as that still is feeling good then you'll be able to just keep getting out there keep trying to get it out there well thanks to elder sister plum for talking with us today and thank you for listening if you've enjoyed this episode of staccato please share it with your friends in the next episode, we'll be talking with singer-songwriter, guitarist, and recording artist, Vic Horvath. Staccato Show with your host, Nigel Roberts.